Welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lumberg with Power Systems Design. Now, Ithaca, New York recently announced plans to become the first fully electric city reaching carbon neutrality by 2030. Of course, there's the most obvious question. Is something like that even achievable and is it economically feasible? On the line to discuss that is Bill Clem, Chairman and CEO of eBliss, a leader in e-mobility transportation solutions. So, Bill, thanks for joining us. And let's start with this. Ithaca made their pledge a couple of years ago. So what's changed since then on the road to going all electric? How much closer are they? So, so first of all, Jason, thanks for the opportunity to be able to discuss this. So um, there has been a significant amount of what I call operational investments that have begun to pay off um, around, around the United States. Um, if you just look at the charging infrastructure changes that have been made across the United States, you look at what Tesla's been able to achieve, and then you look at the watershed deal that Tesla just did with Ford, General Motors, and the rest of the industry. Um, everybody is pulling together. Um, one of the most powerful things, as you think back in history in the U.S., was when John F. Kennedy made the commitment that he was, um, he was going to get us to the moon, right? That's what he was going to do, and that we as a country were going to do that. And in 1960, there was no way to get to the moon. Nobody knew how to do that. Um, but within eight years, the country and industry, so the government and industry worked together, and we were on the moon. So I, I, see, the same, I see the same level of cooperation beginning across the industry. And as that starts to really take hold, progress will happen at a much more accelerated rate than we've seen in the past. So, again, I think there's been an enormous amount of progress made in a very short period of time, and I see that progress accelerating. Hmm. Interesting comparison. Now, what's the biggest challenge with retrofitting 6,000 buildings to make them more energy efficient? <laughs> the biggest challenge is there's 6,000 buildings. That's the biggest challenge. <laughs> um, so so there's, there's, there's two challenges with that. One is the availability of functional technology to be able to accomplish it. And two is the execution within the building and being able to do that consistently. Those, both of those challenges are, are difficult. Um, one, getting, getting the technology affordable so that the people that own and operate the, the buildings as a business can continue to do so and not hurt themselves financially. But then the second part of it is being able to train and teach a staff on how to operate the building in a different way because wherever there's change, there's loss, and there's going to be change associated with that because you've got to change the way the fundamental business, the buildings operate. So if you just think about what I just said, everything has to change. So all the operating details about when to turn air conditioning on and off, what form of air conditioning versus heat pumps versus solar, you know, how to pull all those things together. Very, very, very difficult. But the fact of the matter is, Ithaca is partnering with the local community and with, and Ithaca is also um, working with the, with the excuse me, local community and industry to be able to accomplish these goals. The biggest challenge is going to be the coordination and the execution at the building level. That will be the biggest challenge by far. Okay. Now, to, to achieve that energy efficiency, what exactly is Ithaca targeting within the building? Um, so, again, it's every place that there's an energy loss. So think about, think about 
you know, think about walking up to a building. And, you know, as you walk up to a building, if it happens to be in a, in a cold area in the winter, you know, just look around the building and see what happens to the snow right around the building. The building loses heat, right, and, and the snow melts around the building. Um, those, those heat losses are difficult, right? That's very difficult to be able to re-insulate a building. Um, one, of the, one of the questions is, where's this money all going to come from to retrofit all of these uh, buildings with new windows, different insulation, um, different heat, heating strategies and cooling strategies. Um, to me, those are, those are the execution challenges that are out there. The technology in this particular case, I think, is available. Um, is it available affordably? Question. And can you execute it effectively? That's the second question, in my opinion. Okay. Now, now you mentioned money, so, so that's a good lead into this. How will homeowners be incentivized to buy into the program? Uh, that's a very good question. I, have, I am waiting to see how that level is going to go. As I think about these things, I always think about them as kind of take the easy shots first, right? Um, I'm not a very good pool player, but I have studied it. And when you play pool, the first thing they teach you is take the easy shot. So I think the Pareto of opportunities within is what they're, is what they're, what they're going for, and that is to create the affordable or find the affordable solutions first. Um, I think the big, one of the big questions at the consumer level is how are they going to pay for that? There are stack uh, incentives that are out there at the commercial level. I know them very well in Texas. I don't know them as much as upstate New York, but there are stacked incentives to get people and businesses to be able to make green investments. At the consumer level, I think that's an open question. I think I think that it's really what is the you know what are you going to incentivize the customer? Excuse me, the consumer. One of the ways you can incentivize the consumer is is around having them change their driving. Um, choices. So there's 119 million rides in a car every day, 29 million of those across the United States every day are less than a mile. So one of the first things that can happen is consumers can make a choice what vehicle to ride for that mile because those individual miles are, one, the worst possible thing you can do for an automobile, and two, they also burn the most fuel. So short start and stops burn disproportionate amount of fuel and to create disproportionate exhaust emissions. So number one thing consumers can do is to decide to buy or to get some different way to move their to move themselves for those one mile rides. Okay, that makes sense. Well before I let you go, Bill, but let me let me ask you this and, and leave our, our audience with, with this point. Is a program in your opinion like this uh, repeatable around the country on such an aggressive time frame, um, why or why not? Um, so the answer is yes, it is. Um, and because if you don't press the edges, you're never going to achieve it. Um, somebody once said a, a, a reasonable man doesn't make as much progress as an unreasonable man. Um, and so you've got to create the pressure to make the system change and the only way to do that is to provide aggressive goals. The, the important thing with aggressive goals is that industry, government, and community are aligned. That's when you can create alignment. That's my reference back to the moonshot because that's what, that's what this nation did in its past is it decided we were going to go to the moon. 
And by the way, I want you to think about all of the technological advances that came as a result of that aggressive pressuring of the system to get there. Does it mean that every single time these cities are going to accomplish these goals on time? No. Does it mean that overall the system will improve disproportionately? Absolutely, yes. Very true, and history would definitely bear that out. Well, thanks, Bill. I, I want to thank you for your time. And to our audience, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe and healthy, and have a great day.